This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Maggie. My name is Brian. And today we have Johnny Tai on our episode. So he is a fashion blogger and YouTuber, and he makes content around men's fashion and lifestyle. He currently has 65,000 subscribers on YouTube and near 20,000 followers on Instagram. Johnny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on the podcast. You're very articulate with your words. I'm going to I'm definitely going to stutter a lot because a lot of my fans know that I script my videos. So I apologize if I just scramble. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's hear more about you and your upbringing. I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's If you guys watch Breaking Bad, that's exactly where I'm from. It depicts, it depicts New Mexico quite perfectly, actually. Just for some context, it's basically pretty high up in teen pregnancy, high school dropout rates, lowest in education system. Yeah, it's a very poor state as well. So that's kind of how I grew up as a kid and you know, I kind of, and there's a lot of crime as well. So as a kid, you know, whenever I, me and my brother would go out and skate around the city, we'd always be ready to, you know, defend ourselves because the crime is, you know, not the greatest out there. It's pretty bad. So that's where I grew up. I'd just say that it has a lack of opportunity. Not very many creators out there. There are a few, but the, the opportunities out there is, is very lacking in terms of creative careers, artistry, you know, all that stuff. It's very corporate, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's where I grew up. Awesome. That's good hearing about your background too, because, you know, you're so creative on YouTube and Instagram with fashion. Like, how does it all come about? Like, I know you're a relatively young person. So yes. I just want to hear about how you got started in this hustle. Yeah. And, you know, I'm very curious to know, you know, you growing up in Albuquerque, was fashion very prevalent in that area? You know, and from what I've heard, it's not as big as it is obviously in like L.A. or New York. So, you know, really curious to see how you were able to get into that industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, OK, well, first off, the fashion out there is almost non-existent. There's like a few streetwear shops. I can only name like two right now. <laughs> They're very far apart as well. So like the culture isn't there fashion wise. It's mainly, you know, hiking, which is its own fashion, like a lot of hiking and nature and, you know, corporate life. How I got into fashion was whenever I moved to New York City, which was in the first time I moved to New York City was 2016. And I was, you know, I was dressed like some regular skater kid when I first moved here. But as soon as I stepped on, you know, New York soil, I was very, you know, shocked culturally in terms of fashion and I, I felt like I had to step up my my fashion sense I feel like every every New Yorker feels that whenever they come out here it's just something you feel like you got to do because everyone's so well dressed on the streets you walk down Soho everyone has good taste in fashion and you kind of need it as well in terms of you know if you're trying to get a business job you know you got to get your suit tailored mm-hmm. get your you know your cufflinks and all that stuff get a watch you know so it was very I had to 
get accustomed to that whenever I first moved to New York City. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But in New Mexico, it's just not, it's unfortunately not there, but it is a, a growing scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with social media and all that. Yeah. So while you were, you know, in Albuquerque, can you talk a little bit about, you know, your family and the type of, you know, parents that you grew up with? Were they like a very strict Asian household, you know, like Tiger Mom, or were they more laid back? And, you know, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, how was the demographic in Albuquerque? I'm assuming, you know, the Asian population is not as big as let's say California, right? So can you talk oh, yeah. a about that? <laughs> yeah, California is huge. Well, surprisingly, New Mexico does have quite the amount of Asians. There's a lot of Vietnamese. Yeah. And so for some context, how I grew up, I grew up in a very weird dynamic. My, my dad was very strict. My mom was very, you know, empathetic and loving. Mm-hmm. And also I am, so if you're, so I'm Cantonese, but like my family's weird as in, cause they're from Vietnam. Yeah. And but we're still fully Chinese. So if you're Cantonese, you would know us as uh, Yit Lam Wa Kiwian. So yeah. that's mm-hmm. exactly what I am. So I grew up speaking Canto and Viet and English, and I was I was so confused with Canto <laughs> and Viet. So I would, I used to think that it was the same exact language because mm-hmm. you know the culturally it's pretty much exactly the same. You know we celebrate you know, you know the Lunar New Year, weddings are pretty much exactly the same, and you know all that good stuff. But yeah, my dad was very, very strict. My mom was very loving, but my surprisingly, my dad let my brother and I just go out whenever we wanted. So in terms of letting us play and all that, he was very lenient. But yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, you know, Asian parents are. So I got a lot of uh, ass beatings and all that good stuff. <laughs> that made me who I am today. But you know, I'm glad I went through that. It's part of the Asian American experience, you know. You can't quite grow up Asian without getting yelled at or, or Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I wanna learn more about how you piqued your interest and execute it at you know, starting getting into fashion okay. at a younger age. Like what kind of advice do you have for someone who wants to do the same thing? Because we like your story a lot, you know, like you grew up in New Mexico, Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're relatively successful on social media and YouTube, like how can someone who's just starting out learn from that? Yeah, so I definitely say when it comes to creating YouTube videos and content in general, I'd say you want to look at your your favorite creators, not just in the industry you want to go in, just your favorite creators or CEOs, business people in general, and see how they tackle their business or their their content and try and replicate it but not i definitely a lot of people would say recommend they would recommend to basically copy everything they do you know because they had their success and if you basically do exactly what they do you're gonna achieve some sort of success which is very true but also it can water down your brand if you are exactly like them so when i first got into the fashion scene i was Big fan of the Fung Bros and Richie Lee. Shout out to them. Mm-hmm. So Richie Lee was a huge like fashion inspiration for me, as well as teaching men's fashion. Shout out to Jose as well. So I looked up to them like the most when it came to my content. So I pretty much made the same exact videos as them, and it didn't turn out well. So I've been making videos for three years. And I only reached sixty five thousand subscribers, which is you know probably standard to be honest. But I probably could have grown a lot more if I made my content a lot more original, if that makes sense, instead of copying the same exact content that they were making. Mm-hmm. So that's what I recommend is you want to look to your YouTubers that 
inspire you, that motivates you, and you want to replicate their content, but put your own spin on it mm-hmm. and try not to, yeah, just try not to copy them exactly. Like a lot of YouTubers, they scream at the camera and stuff like, yo, what's up, everyone? Like all that stuff. <laughs> and it can come off very fake, which I've done, you know, and mm-hmm. I definitely don't recommend that. And you, you, you'll learn as you go. But I definitely just recommend replicating, putting your own spin to it, and just being yourself and not over-exaggerating yourself too much. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, th- I think that um, a lot of people with brands, even like clothing brands, um, I think one really good example that I follow and I really admire is Randall Pitch. Um, I don't know. Oh, if yeah, Rand- yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So for example, his brand, it's like, yes, everyone loves his brand, but at the same time, everyone loves him, right? So I feel like he puts his own unique spin to it. And like, Johnny, you do too. You have your own spin to it. I think that when you were first starting out, you might have, you know, copied other people. But while you got to, you know, 65,000 subscribers, you know, you picked up on your own unique style and had your own spin to it. Sometimes... Yeah, Sometimes ahead. that's what you got to do because um, same, it's the same with fashion. If uh, For those of you that are into fashion or my viewers, you guys would know like there's trends and stuff. So it, I, I like to think of trends like, you know, copying other YouTubers in a way because everyone has the same style. There's like the this Jerry Boy era back in 2016, you know, it was like flannel, long line tee, distressed denim and Chelsea boots. Everyone had that same exact outfit. So it kind of made your outfit less tasteful i should say it's the same thing with your content if you make the same exact content same exact style same exact exaggeration of your energy then it's just going to water down your videos and it's no one's going to subscribe to that you know so that's yeah i mean at what point when you started you know mimicking these other youtubers that you found your own style you know i want to i'm kind of curious too to hear more about your self-discovery you and person too, because I always feel like how you feel inside is how you feel outside. There's must oh, be that, that trigger where you're like, okay, like I'm just copying someone. Who is Johnny Ty? You know, when, when was that point and how did it happen? Okay, well, a lot of my copying when I was copying other YouTubers came from the, the situation I was in. So I was working a full-time, full-time startup job. So it was around 50 hours a week with commuting. Mm-hmm. And then I was editing for other YouTubers as well while trying to build my YouTube channel. So I didn't have time to, to put in efforts or study, like, you know, just being yourself. It was just like, I was like a robot, you know? So I just made contents, you know, regurgitated content that everyone else was making. And yeah, it just wasn't that good. So discovery is, I mean, you kind of have to do that in general when you first start off with YouTube, because I mean, no one's going to start off talking to a camera very well or, you know, scripting very well. So you kind of have to do that initially mm-hmm. as, as long as, as long as you try and make your own spin of it, it's more acceptable. But yeah, it's just like your style, it develops over time, it matures and refines over time because you have that experience and your, your preferences change and obviously your mood changes as well and you mature as a person. So mm-hmm. back then I was a very cynical person, but I'd say whenever I went full time on YouTube around last year is when I fully discovered, you know, my, my style fashion wise and YouTube wise. And I was just experimenting a little, a little bit more instead of playing it safe, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like a lot of influencers and content creators have this mindset like, oh, I have to get to hundreds of thousands of followers or subscribers until I can make the jump to do this full time. Right. And it sounds like you didn't even have, you know, that many subscribers on YouTube yet. I think you you have like 19,000. I think that's like a pretty impressive number already. But, you know, from your perspective, that was like obviously a lesser number than what you have now. So what's your Mm -hmm. biggest advice for people who are trying to make that jump, who are, you know, kind of afraid to, you know, make that jump and quit their job? You know, they're they're just afraid of the future and they don't know what's ahead. Right. So making that leap of faith. (laughs) That came from, I mean, sometimes you just got to, like it's not it's not a glorious thing to be doing your own thing right like having your own your your own hustle a lot of people like to glorify it on social media but it's a lot of grit and hard work so mm-hmm. i understand why it'd be scary for someone to you know quit their job especially at 19k subscribers mm-hmm. but you got to you got to find i was only able to do that because i found I learned from other YouTubers that I, I used to live with as well. And I learned, you know, their sources of income and, and how they got to that. And eventually I got to, I had like 1.5 K coming in per month on average. It was like one to 1.5 K. And so at this point, like you got to make some sacrifices either for me, I was living with a bunch of roommates. There were YouTubers as well, but I don't want to do roommate situation again. So to me, I was like, I can either live with more roommates, quit my job in New York city and struggle and probably make worse content because I'm not very happy. Or I can just move back to my parents or move back to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where the the cost of living is a lot cheaper and it's just a, a different, a different lifestyle out there. So I decided to leave New York city, you know, the, best city in the world. I I love the city, but I had to leave it temporarily just to make my dreams happen. And that's kind of what you got to do. Sometimes for those that are going to take, take the leap of faith, they got to not go to all the raves. They got to not party every weekend, you know, and you just got to make, you just got to make it happen. You know, you got to make some sacrifices. So yeah, I moved back to New Mexico and then I eventually moved back to my parents to save even more money is what I had to do. And then eventually during that time, my subscribers tripled in that year because I had 50 more free hours. So that's how you got to think of it as well. Um, When you quit your job, you are opening up your whole entire week for content instead of just the weekends is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that too, man. I really like the all-in mentality. So that's really applicable to not only your own success in YouTube and, you know, for social media, that, Mm -hmm. that mentality it's very transferable to a lot of things, you know, like for my situation, like getting into real estate, it's like the most successful real estate investors I know quit their job pretty much out of the blue to make things happen. Cause there's always that desperate feeling that you feel inside. It's like, Oh no, I have to go make something happen because <laughs> yeah, I had too much time and too much thoughts. <laughs> it's not exactly a good thing. So you have to put that into uh, action. The next thing I want to yeah. talk about is, you know, like how did you set your goals like from age like 20 to 25 where you are right now like how do you set goals and then how do you how do you constantly hit these milestones right so okay let's start with when i was 20 because that's when i started trying trying to do my own thing Mm -hmm. i was 19 i was 19 when i started trying to do my own thing so i was a mechanical engineer in college i only i only picked that major 
honestly for the money because I didn't grow up very financially well. So my parents encouraged me to, you know, do architecture or whatever it was, but I was really good at math and science. So that's why I picked, well, for obvious reasons, I'm good at math and science, but (laughs) that's why I picked engineering, but I absolutely hated it. So I was trying to figure out any way to get out of it. So I'm, I'm a college dropout, by the way, if you guys didn't know. And what had happened was I set a goal because at this point in time, it was when I was starting to fall in love with New York City from visiting so much. I set a goal to get out of engineering within the next two years. Mm-hmm. So, and I was like desperate because I was in thermodynamics class with my friend and I was absolutely dreading it. Um, I had the worst teacher ever, but <laughs> this is very random. I don't like, I don't believe in the uh, whole law of attraction completely, but I have a situation where it happened. It's like two weeks after I set this goal to quit my, my job, or no, sorry, not, not my job, to quit engineering, an opportunity came up for me to move to New York City. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it was in the fitness industry, which was, which was something I was really big in at the time. And that actually happened. So I took that opportunity. It was an internship for the same startup company. And I worked free for 90 days. That was like the requirements. You had to work free for 90 days. You had to make a video of yourself, why you should be hired. Mm-hmm. And those were the requirements if you did get hired. And so I got that job. And eventually, at this point, I was starting YouTube, but my vlog channel. So... <laughs> It's my current vlog channel right now, but it was very cringy. This was before the fashion channel. And I just wanted to be a YouTuber because of the likes of Casey Neistat at the time when he was really hustling. That's what really inspired me. Uh, Richie Lee, The Fun Grows. Who else? Those are the main three. At this point, I was trying to grow my YouTube and work that side hustle at the same time or that main job at the same time. And I set the goal to quit that job within the next three years. Mm-hmm. So... A lot of goal setting comes from, there's a saying where people overestimate the amount of things they can do within a short time frame, but they underestimate the amount of things they can do over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Right. So I knew in three years I could make it happen because I had a lot of confidence in myself at the time. It was delusional confidence, but <laughs> you know, I had the confidence. I was like, I'm going to make it, I'm gonna make it happen. It's going to give me three years. But yeah, I knew within three years something would happen because... I had the, the work ethic because of the, what my parents taught me growing up. And then eventually it happened. I don't want to ramble in that part, but eventually it happened. And so I like to say every, the start of every year with the whole New Year's resolution, your goals have to be specific. So especially in 2019, this is before I went full time, I was like, I want to quit my job within this year. So I, within by August, I should say, I'm starting to ramble, but I wanted to quit by August. And I basically, that was in my head every single day to make it happen because one, I didn't enjoy my job as much. And I just wanted to go full time and just really got, dive into the content that I was passionate about. And you gotta let that drive you in order to make it happen. If you have some vague goal, like if you're trying to lose weight, like, oh, I wanna be skinnier. It's not specific and specific enough. It's like uh, without a without a goal, you can't score. If you don't know where your your target is, how can you, you know, aim and shoot at it, right? <laughs> so I set a goal for August 2019 and I just worked my ass off until it eventually happened. And sometimes you might miss, and sometimes that's okay because August was kind of, you know, scary and probably wasn't going to happen. And to be honest, if it didn't happen, I'd be happy. But if you overshoot, if you set a goal that's very high, and even if you undershoot it, it's going to be more than if you set like a a smaller goal, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So if I set a goal in August, 2019 to quit by August, 
2022, it'd probably, yeah, I'd probably do it eventually. But if I set it for August 2019, I'd work my ass off. You'd put in August 2019 effort instead of August 2022 effort Mm -hmm. with your goals, if that makes sense. And even if you underperform, you'll be more, you'll be further than if you just did a vague, longer goal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because you you feel pressured, you know, Mm -hmm. and you feel like you need to make something happen Mm -hmm. in a short amount of time. Because there's a tendency where we all feel sometimes where if there's no harsh deadline, it's like we take our time. Exactly. Don't worry about it tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. And the worrying about tomorrow mentality is very dangerous too because it makes you very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Understand that we do things we would never do when we're uncomfortable, especially in business. Mm -hmm. You know, especially on being an entrepreneur because Mm -hmm. entrepreneur is a lot of his relationship building, connecting with people and having these, these uncomfortable conversations. But that's a part of success, you know? Like, you have to be constantly changing or adapting and pivoting. And it sounds like you did that, you know? So hats off to you. Appreciate that. Marking this journey because not a lot of people can do it, you know? Like, just me relating back to you as you're telling your story. When I was 20, like 11, 12 years ago, I was nowhere as brave as you were. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wanted to play safe. I was scared. But it comes to show that uh, each of us have our own different journeys in life. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, it's really easy for us to compare ourselves to others. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's a big thing. So just just take your time, figure out what makes you happy, walk down your own path, and have faith that it will work out. Because like, as you mentioned before, you had a lot of like blind faith, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that matters a lot because you need to believe in yourself that you can do it. Because if you don't believe in yourself, you're already climbing an uphill battle. And that's a huge exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I remember you talking about the law of attraction, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. although you don't believe in it and probably a lot of other people don't believe in it too, but there's just such a multitude of factors that go into it. Like, as you said, when you quit engineering, I feel like that forces you to be more aware of the opportunities exactly. that are around you too, right? So yes, it could be law of attraction, but then yes, it could be you just being more, you know, self-aware and looking for opportunities that are around you. Exactly. And I always tell all my friends, like, I always tell all my friends I want to pursue this or my followers as well is um, because like the rapidly changing landscape of technology and social media and all that. I mean, five years ago is when the iPhone 6, I think I believe came out. That's when iPhone changed their rectangular shape to a, you know, the round shape, yeah. the round sides. At the time, technology wasn't very advanced. Instagram was maybe four years old at that point, four or five years old. Five years from now, it's going to change completely. So you have plenty of time and those opportunities can come. But I always, yeah, like I said, I always tell my friends, you got to give it a minimum. You should expect minimum three years worth of effort in order to make your dreams happen. Three years worth of effort and no, no success from that. No, like, like let's just say no, like money, mm-hmm. three years of effort. Like the first three years, I probably made like, you know, maybe $400 during that time, 400 to $1,000 during that time with just all the effort I put in. Because I started in 2015 with vlogging, that didn't work. And then I started making income 2018. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, you should expect three years of effort minimum in order to see some sort of success is what I'd say to all my friends, because people expect, especially with social media, they think instant success is very attainable and it's really not. It's really a lot of effort, especially because social media just glorifies it, you know, so. I, I agree with that. I mean, there is a lot of, there's no such thing as overnight success. Mm-hmm. 
like success is built over a, a long period of time and then you have an overnight success and that's what the media capitalizes on a lot it's like yeah, yeah. So instant all in all you really have to enjoy the journey mm-hmm. like you have to enjoy the process of getting there because you are essentially becoming the person that you want to become by setting these goals and want to be that person you know Exactly. And that's something I'm still trying to work on because uh, it's, it's a lot of comparing yourself in this space. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we're all human, right? It's something you are going to do. It's something to be aware of. So I'm, I'm starting to appreciate the, the journey a lot more than, mm-hmm. you know, a quick success. Because honestly, I actually don't prefer quick success if you like, if you really think about it, because what are you going to do after you have a huge success? You have to have a bigger success to feel satisfied, right? Right. And then eventually it's just going to be unattainable and you'll be 30 and then you'll be unsatisfied with life. That's my opinion. So I like progressing very slowly until the day I die. You know, that's how I like to think of things. <laughs> yeah. the journey, man. And let's talk about your goals too. Like what, what are you looking to accomplish in the next three to five years? Uh, I think um, it's inspiring for our guests. We're just starting out in the early 20s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, like I said before, like in five years, a lot of things can change. The whole internet is still pr- pretty new. So I don't like to think that far, but in terms of vague goals, I definitely want to have uh, a clothing line started. Obviously, you know, at least half a million subscribers, you know, just like numbers, you know, with, with the social media. I definitely would like to, you know, help my parents out and get them out of, get them out of New Mexico. Same with my brother, buy them a house on, on the East Coast. That'd be a, a nice goal. <laughs> so they don't have to worry, you know, financially. Yeah, we love that goal, man. It's very uh, a lot of Asian values in that. Mm-hmm. Like, take care yeah, of and take care of your family. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, I love that you're giving back to your family. Um, yeah, because that's the one thing I wish I did growing up as a kid. Is that's right. one I didn't do that enough. You know. Right. Yeah. So we know that you know you've worked with a lot of brands along your journey. You know, some to name is like Axe, Lululemon, Express, Skillshare, Audible. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about your journey? Just you know having these brands reach out to you and you know what that process kind of looks like right so how it works with any type of marketing because you know if you're an influencer you're technically you know a social media marketer right how come how that happens is traffic that's why you see you know a, a lot of crazy different ads play during the super bowl because there's a ton of traffic so they're going to, people want to pay more because there's a lot of traffic. They want to have their banner on the, you know, the, the field and all that stuff. So they, mm-hmm. people can see the brand. It's the same with your, same way with your social media. Now you don't need millions of followers in order to make that happen. You only need a few hundred to a few thousand yeah. Um, yeah. brands are starting to catch on to that, by the way. So it's, it's kind of a good thing if you're a small creator mm-hmm. and you have a, you know, a tight knit community, but that comes with. A lot of it is sometimes you have to, like for me, I just tagged brands mm-hmm. that I, you know, I wore that I personally wore and just liked in general. And that led to some brand deals. And otherwise, um, you can reach out to brands yourself through email. So you might have to learn a little bit about writing professional emails and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there's like with YouTube, it's a lot of, or content creating, it's a lot of administrative work rather than creating as well in order to make it your full-time income. Those brand deals definitely came from them reaching out to me eventually because I had a sizable audience that they preferred for their campaign. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it just starts with creating the content. Just create the content that you want to make and you'll develop a tight-knit community. And then eventually you can try to reach out to brands. Let's just say it's if it's fashion, then you can tag those brands. You can message them through DMs or send them an email. But for me, if I fortunately had a, a friend of mine that did call consulting, 
basically they consult with other brands and try to pitch other social media influencers, quote unquote, to those brands. And then eventually you just got to get one you just got to get one and that'll, that'll snowball into more brand deals. That makes sense. Cause if they see one brand, especially a, a renowned brand work with you, then other brands will see that and be like, Oh, they must like this guy. So then they'll send an email. So yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just building audience. Yeah. I mean, you do bring up a really good point too. So like brands are not recognizing that it's not about the number of subscribers you have mm-hmm. or likes or follows. I mean, likes, yeah, but, in your opinion, is it more important to have a large number of subscribers and followers or higher engagement and likes? Oh, and <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, it's a hard debate. I, well, I definitely say it's all about your tight knit community, mm-hmm. your engagement, especially, yeah, brands are definitely catching on to that because there's a lot of people that buy their followers, especially on Instagram. It's like, um, so like a lot of ABGs, unfortunately, they pay for, <laughs> they pay for their, their followers. Because I know some that have. It's unfortunate to uh, sales for that brand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like a, if a tampon company marketed towards guys, it just doesn't make sense. Right. You know, that is a huge audience, but it's just the wrong audience. You know, mm-hmm. usually if you have a lot of likes and engagement, it just might not be the, it, it doesn't mean everything because it might not be the right audience. So if you have a a very niche audience, like for me, it's more streetwear, techwear type of fashion, then it's very niche. And definitely no suit supply is not going to reach out to me. (laughs) You know, it's mainly going to be, you know, you know, techwear brands and more streetwear brands. So streetwear startups and all that good stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, got to have a niche, got to be have, got to have a tight knit community rather than just a huge following. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. I, I personally feel that, you know, having an absurd amount of engagement mm-hmm. versus like absurd amount of followers is more important. Because at the end of the day, yeah. you're building your brand, you're building your community, you know, you're building trust. Exactly. And your engagement, what does that show? It shows trust. Yeah. Right. And also um, within the fashion industry, like Louis Vuitton, I think flew out Emma Chamberlain to one of their fashion shows. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't make sense. Even though she has a huge following, they're all like younger girls and all that's younger girls and guys that aren't really into fashion. They just like her because she's entertaining, you know? It'd be smarter if, you know, these high fashion brands or just other fashion, fashion labels brought on fashion YouTubers. Mm-hmm. That would just make more sense versus, you know, someone that just has a huge following. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, that, that, that was that was weird, but yeah. That's awesome, man. And looking through your Instagram, too, like your engagement is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, know, thanks. <laughs> a lot of comments, a lot of likes. Do you have any tips and advice on how to bolster that engagement and how long did it take to get to that point? Uh, to be honest, like my Instagram only grew because of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you guys see my Instagram, I don't ever really put hashtags or anything. Mm-hmm. It's mainly just for my, my current audience to just see the outfit. And those followers came from YouTube. And I can see because I'm on YouTube, I always leave a comment, a pinned comment, you know, about the video. And I always tell them to follow me on Instagram. And there's, it's a bit.ly link. So, you know, you right. can see how many clicks you got. And I think there's like 13,000 clicks on it. And if you're going to click on that and you're already on my page, you're probably going to hit follow. Okay? And I have yeah. 20, I have 20,000 followers now. That's more than half of my audience. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more than half of my audience that click that link and mm-hmm. probably followed. So if I didn't ever 
mention my Instagram, I probably have less than 10K right now. Can't do swipe ups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think that creating a community culture goes a long way in terms of engagement. So, I mean, if it seems like a lot of people from your YouTube channel are going to your Instagram, that means that they're enjoying your content on YouTube. And they're mm-hmm. also enjoying the content that you're putting out on Instagram as well. So, yep. I mean, AHN is also all about community. Can you talk a little bit about like how you are incorporating a community culture with your subscribers to YouTube? Like how often are you responding to them? How often are oh, you- I respond to all my comments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I know it's uh it won't be sustainable like it's already starting to become unsustainable I can't respond to all of them but mm-hmm. for the first hour of uploading um and I learned this from uh one of my old roommates Christian frugal aesthetic shout out to Christian he would just engage with them for the first hour of uploading that builds a community because I forgot which youtuber I definitely Richie responded to one of my comments before and or he liked it or something like that and I felt so much so much joy from that you know so if I can do that for any for just one of my viewers that's that's enough to just respond to them, you know, or just give a heart, mm-hmm. something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that does make a huge difference too. And that's our, that's the way we treat our community as well. Like we want to make mm-hmm. sure everyone feels like they belong to something greater. Right. Um, which is the reason why we, we take a lot of time to read everyone's story in AHN. Cause I feel like everyone has a voice. Everyone has a story to share. And it's not inspiring. Just, you know, reading some of the stories and oh, yeah. talking to them, you know? And that's something that no one asks us to do. It's something that we truly enjoy. And that's the reason why we built a community. And we feel that way with you too. You know, you take your time out every day to respond. It's not an easy task. Sometimes your day is so busy. So yeah. But this is like a passion thing. That's how you truly know if you're passionate about what you want to do. You know, it's yeah, that's how it should be. You know, when it comes to cloud chasing, a lot of people think it more, I don't know. It's like, like I, I, I'm sure some influencers are like, yo, I, I'm probably just not going to respond to people just because it might make me look cool or something like that. You have to be cool enough to get a response from me. You know, I'm sure those influences exist, you know, but to me, it's just like, I'm just some, I'm just some guy from New Mexico, you know, who just got into fashion four years ago, you know? So that says a lot. I'm just some regular guy. Anyone can do this, you know? So, and if someone, if some other YouTuber made me feel some type of joy from hearting my, one of my comments, then I can do the same for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Awesome. I mean, I would love to know, you know, what has been your most rewarding um, moment, you know, since going full time as a content creator and YouTuber and blogger? Has there been like a one defining moment that's been the most rewarding? Definitely when someone messages me on Instagram that I've changed their life or I've made, made them feel way more confident when it comes to, you know, just branching out of their style from, you know, the, the normal, you know, fitted tee, skinny jeans and white sneakers. Um, because that to me makes them feel more open-minded. And whenever you're more open-minded, you experience a lot more of life versus, you know, subscribing to one style or one type of mindset, if that makes sense. So to me, if you're more open-minded, you have more opportunities to find your happiness. And that's, that's all I want from, my, my uh, subscribers to feel more happy and be more confident. So if I can do that, that's, that's cool. totally cool. You know, <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, Johnny, what's one advice that you would give to an aspiring entrepreneur? So we have a lot of listeners on our age and podcasts who are aspiring entrepreneurs and are most likely the same age around you. So, you know, I know you recently went full time into doing YouTube so, you know, what is that one big takeaway and one advice that you would give to an aspiring entrepreneur? 
I kind of have a story with this as well. Definitely the choices you made in the past made you who you are today. Okay, so back then I was, well, I told my viewers this. I used to live in Brooklyn and I was extremely, <laughs> extremely poor. And I took a, over a sublet I probably shouldn't have and I couldn't afford rent or groceries. Okay, so I can either choose to, you know, let my credit die <laughs> and then me get really skinny or I can find a way to make it happen. Okay, so I started editing for two other YouTubers and I started grinding full time with my startup job and my current YouTube channel. So it was just grinding, 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 grinding. It was like at least 60, 65 hours a week and I didn't have any fun during that time. That's what you got to do. And those choices led to my quote unquote success today. And now I'm, I'm full time on YouTube because that work ethic was built during that time. So wherever you want to be in the next five to 10 years, your choices now, your decisions now will lead you to, should, should uh, correlate to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So if you want to be a YouTuber, you should start creating content and, you know, just developing it instead of watching other people create content and you getting mad at yourself for not creating content. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of just action taking. So yeah. yeah, that's where I'd leave it. I'd say is uh, wherever you want to be, your choices now should correlate to where you want to be. So if you want to stay in the same place, you can continue partying, going to raves, having fun, which is totally cool. You know, you got to do that sometimes, but if that's your, the only thing you look forward to the weekends, then you'll probably be in the same place. But if you want to be a, have your own side thing, your own hustle, then you got to put in that effort right now. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love the foresight too. It's like mm-hmm. you're building up the habit mentality, looking long-term. So a lot of us yeah. can see where we want to be in the year. Mm-hmm. And for you to have the foresight to know that you need to work today in order to get to where you want to be in five to 10 years, it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I love <laughs> I definitely the long-term thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love the mindset. I think that a lot of people prioritize like partying. Um, I mean, like partying is fine, but then at the same time, you have to party to celebrate something, right? Like celebrate a milestone. Right. So make sure you're achieving. Exactly. Yeah. I, I still have fun. I'm not. I'm not a robot. <laughs> oh, one, one more thing. Also, is um, uh, I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you can go ahead, Maggie. I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. No. Um. So you know, would love to know how our listeners can learn more about you. Um, and you know, if you can share any social media handles, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can follow my Instagram at fly with Johnny Ty and my YouTube channel is the same name. And I do have a vlog channel. It's called more Johnny Ty. It's more documenting, uh, the journey, uh, the vlog channel mainly for you guys to, or my followers to get to know me a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, because one thing I didn't do is just document enough the whole process. I wish I did that. So that's why I'm starting to do it now. Yeah, those are the, the, the handles. Fly with Johnny Ty on Instagram and YouTube and then more Johnny Ty for the vlog channel if you guys want to watch my stuff. <laughs> yeah, we'll include that in the show notes. Yeah, we will definitely include that in the show notes. Well, it was amazing having you on the podcast today, Johnny. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you. Joe. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate the, uh, I, I, I love talking. <laughs> I can talk for days. Keep on inspiring, bro. We like you a lot. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. All right. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.